It is a delight to be back here at St. John's after a long time, as Pastor Bruzik said, and it gives us great pleasure that Joshua and Abigail can serve among you this year. The word of our Lord that we consider this morning are the words of St. Paul to the letter to the Philippians. Twenty-two years after the ascension of Jesus, during his second missionary journey, Paul found himself in Troas on the Aegean Sea in Asia Minor. There he received his Macedonian call to travel to Europe to proclaim the gospel among the Gentiles in Greece. It is also at Troas that the evangelist St. Luke joined the Apostle Paul, which turned out to be one of the greatest collaborations in the history of the church. Little did Luke realize at that time that his life would never be the same again. And St. Paul's preaching in Macedonia was blessed. He left behind churches in Thessalonica, Berea, and Philippi, and he also left behind Luke to be pastor of the church in Philippi. Now, Luke was well-suited to be the pastor of the Philippian congregation. After all, tradition tells us that he was from Greece, Thebes to be exact, and so he was near home and he was at home among the Gentile Christians. He was their shepherd for seven years until during the third missionary journey, Paul comes back through Macedonia on his way to Jerusalem and he convinced St. Luke to travel with him to Jerusalem for the Passover and beyond that to the sacred task of writing the third gospel. Luke was with Paul in Jerusalem when he was arrested. Luke was with Paul during his two-year imprisonment in Caesarea Maritima, and Luke traveled with Paul to Rome during storm and shipwreck. At that point, we don't know what happened to the evangelist St. Luke, but we do know that Paul, during his imprisonment in Rome, wrote his final epistle, this letter to the beloved saints in Philippi. Now, as pastor of the Philippian congregation, Luke taught Paul's gospel, and he learned how to preach that gospel by preaching the truth in love. And what also happened there is that the Philippians taught Luke. They taught Luke about how to translate this Jewish teacher and this Old Testament gospel into the language of former pagan sinners. It is here in this congregation that Luke, as pastor, was seasoned and tested. And one of the reasons why Paul has this love affair with this Philippian congregation is precisely because Luke was their pastor and nurtured them in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ for those seven years. Of all Paul's missionary congregations, Philippi was the most faithful and the most beloved of all that he had. And that is why in the beginning of his epistle to them, he says these words, God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. 
Now, psychologists tell us that a sign of maturity is the public affirmation of what one has been taught. They call this a solidarity of conviction. Or to put it more plainly, to be convinced that this is the way things are and this is the way things work. Such a, firm, such a person has a firm sense of who he is, of his identity, and a sense of comfort in the world in which he lives. Psychologists go on to tell us that only when this happens is it possible for there to be joy and celebration, mature joy and mature celebration. Now, many of you know that Paul's letter to the Philippians is known as the epistle of joy. We just heard the beginning of the letter where Paul prays for the Philippians with joy. That they will continue to rejoice, for they have joy in the faith. And in a few weeks, we will hear from the Apostle Paul again at the end of his letter to the Philippians, those well-known words, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. For Paul is always hoping that the joy of the Philippians that they have in Christ Jesus will continue to overflow on account of him and the gospel that he preaches. Now why would Paul pray for the Philippians with joy, especially when he is in prison in Rome, not knowing what might happen to him, and especially since he even says to the Philippians that his desire is to depart and be with the Lord, for that is far better. Why isn't he bitter about his captivity or about the persecution the saints in Philippi are experiencing or about their poverty? And yet in their poverty, they are so very generous it would be easy for Paul to complain. He could complain about their condition and about his. But instead, he prays with joy. And he encourages the Philippians to join him in the rejoicing. Now, is this a sign that Paul is losing his hold on reality? Or is it a sign of maturity? A solidarity of conviction that Paul has about who he is and about what he believes. Is he able to encourage the church in Philippi to rejoice because he, Paul, embodies the very gospel he preaches, and so do, de so do they? Paul prays for the Philippians with joy because they believe and they confess what he believes, what he calls fellowship in the gospel or participation in the gospel. And it is this confession that gives him the ultimate confidence that when the day of the Lord comes, they will be ready to meet Jesus and his angels with joy. In fact, Paul has such confidence that he can say to the to Philippians, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, what is this gospel that creates this fellowship between Paul and these Philippian saints, even in the midst of persecution? 
Well, I believe that the greeting that Paul gives at the beginning of this epistle, one that we know so well, sums it up completely. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is God's grace because it is good news. Good news that God the Father has acted in Christ to bring us into the space of this new creation where he is making all things right through the word of his presence, right here, right now, as we gather together as the body of Christ. Now Jesus can do this here among us because he first made all things right, as he tells the Philippians, by humbling himself and becoming obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Grace is where you and I begin with God. Because with Paul and the Philippian saints, we are partakers of this grace by baptism and faith. And grace is what we need, especially when things are going wrong in our lives, especially when we are in chains. But the gospel of grace is also the gospel of peace, which means, first and foremost, the absence of war between us and our enemies. Even though we may feel as if we are being assaulted on every side, God in Christ, on the cross, has waged a cosmic war on our behalf, a war against the powers outside of us, real powers, the elemental powers of the universe like sin and death and Satan. And these are powers that would obliterate us if we didn't have Christ as our great warrior waging war on our behalf as he hangs there naked from a tree. But this peace, a peace which passes all understanding, this peace gives us health and wholeness precisely because we now embrace Christ in faith and we confess before the world, this is my identity. This is who I am. I am Christ's very own. With Paul and his fellow saints in Philippi and in every place where people gather around the gifts of his grace, you and I stand in solidarity of conviction despite the chains of imprisonment or persecution or debt or any other calamity or any entangling sin. Today you have come here to be in Christ's presence, where heaven and earth meet in Christ to hear the word of his presence and to celebrate with joy the salvation we have in him. For he who has begun this good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.